Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice in My Mind. I was reading actually today that, um, so I'm up here in the Midwest, Jason's up here in the Midwest. Um, I didn't realize this. Jason knows this. I'm a, I'm a bird watcher and I'm a big fan of owls and um, I'll, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I had to pause at that. How bad <laughs> Sorry, is that? Continue. <laughs> um, no, but there's in our area there, I didn't realize this, but the, the first nesting barn owls have been sighted first oh, nice. nest in this area in 20 years. Oh, excellent. So I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking about our topic tonight. This is a weird segue, I know. Um, but this idea of how we create, it's almost a piece of world building. We probably even could have mm-hmm. gone back and done this as part mm-hmm. of our world building group. Yeah, really. How do you build nature, geography, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing abstract, literally just... Yeah the the environment and what do you do and how does the environment um play into right the games or how do you want it to right so for example with me with with our game i built and you you know this because you've seen a map i've built this so that um there are seasons yep there are actually more than four seasons and they are not um timed in a cyclical way there are there are other mechanisms by which right. the seasons change because it's high fantasy exactly yeah so so that was that was my way of introducing this idea of a changing geography and right. how it affects the different ecosystems right um, but on the flip side when you and I were talking about this you know how do you introduce nature or how do you handle doing that in spacefaring games? Mm-hmm. so this was a great topic we got talking about this um we've been on some pretty deep discussions lately which were all um fantastic yeah i would say we would both say needed um yep. we're gonna always be talking about things like diversity um and inclusion everyone should have a seat at the table yeah but once everyone has a seat at the table how do you build when you go back to world building um how do you introduce nature? And the reason, the other reason it came up is, is Jason, you just came back from um, a, in a, well, I, I'll explain. You came back, you spent, you spent over a week out in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't your idea, ironically, it was, you were gone. We had some episodes drop. We hadn't yep. recorded. We had a really big recording push right yep. before you left. Yep. Um, and while you were gone, I was thinking about this and I, and I wanted to see if there was a way to tie in this idea of what you were, the, the research and being out in nature and what we're doing and talking about. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's not very interesting. And then as we got talking, it's like, actually, this is something that comes up all of the time, role-playing and we should talk about it and have some fun. Right. And so like, like you, like you said, I, nature is often on my mind because it's a big part of my research but i spent six nights in my tent you you know that tent we've 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 gone camping and i've used that tent i spent six months six six months too long i spent six nights uh in my solo backpacking tent out base camping for this study and it was it was it was glorious but right it, it i came back and uh as as we record now i came back a week ago we Actually, I came back a week ago tomorrow. Um, wow. And, um, and, and it does, it begs the question, you know, um, we often take environments for granted, at least I do, when I'm GMing. But whether there's a lot of natural environment or, or none at all, it's all constructed. It's such a ready tool, like you were saying, to make our games more rich to make the experience and the imagery of the games that much more realistic because if we look at the canons that we love whether it's rpg and or movies 
you know what? Well, for example, what really to me distinguishes uh, the recent Star Wars uh, work. So the the you know the first two seasons of the Mandalorian, uh, the the trailer that's out there for the Book of Boba Fett, it's the remarkably rich environmental backdrops like you were saying uh before we started recording it's these ecosystems and it's like you have a sense of place you have a sense of world and i'm i'm really bad at making sure i do that when i gm but that but that's what we're going to talk about right how to how to look at this and use it well and it's interesting because you don't really think about it but let me rephrase that i haven't really thought about it right when it comes under the context of when we play spacefaring games um, we obviously will, will, you know, there will be planet side gameplay in ways, or mm-hmm, there might mm-hmm. be just gameplay in space on stations. Um, mm-hmm. But when um, I started putting together the, it's, it's interesting, when I started putting together the, the world that we've, we've gotten away from playing because of life and everything, and the fact that we are just we drew when we record these because we we're so into it. Yep. Um, that's the first thing I hit because I'm my head. Right. Um, better or worse. I'm just, you know, the nature, the environment, again, the ecosystem, the geography to me played a role is a base, literally a foundation of the game. And honestly, right. it goes back to my, days of reading the dragon's lance novels i keep bringing those back up but that yeah, was yeah you know they they were really rich margaret weiss and tracy hickman were really rich in and in, in talking about that and building right. that into the into the environment so but the question i'll pose to you is is so you know um obviously like like you had indicated and i've known you a long time nature is an important piece to one who you are um and two, um, a lot of your research. Um, and so when you go to, I just find it fascinating when you go to design or build a game, it's traditionally been more spacefaring games. Yeah. You know, and how do you now, now that we've talked about it, maybe it's a rhetorical question. Um, how do you think about building that in, you know, even, and even if you want it to, you may not want to. Yeah. Well, I think we always have to. I mean, like, I think you and I are in an agreement mutually that neither of us has done as well with this as we could and would, right. and would like to. Um, right. You've done much better, like you said, because with our D&D campaign, you, the, the world you've created literally is fundamental to the story that my character is, is exploring and walking through. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have a good answer for you, Brad. I think, I think part of it is like, to me, the ultimate landscape, the ultimate environment is being out amidst the stars. I, I would give, I would give anything personally to be able to be out there in space, preferably in a comfortable suit behind a visor, turned away from the sun where you don't have any shielding. Right, maybe actually, I'm being really specific here on purpose, where you don't have any shielding. Because if you if you read some of the interviews with the Apollo astronauts, not the station astronauts, but the ones who were on Apollo, en route to the moon and back, uh, when when there was when they were away from the Earth, when the Sun, Moon, Earth were all out of sight, and and you you read the interviews and their descriptions of the starscapes are incredible and kind of inconceivable compared to what we can see here. So that that said, you know, in my mind, when I'm constructing environments for like a Star Trek game or or I should say a Star Wars game, that stuff is there in my mind, but I've never done well. And I think like you said, because I, I haven't until very recently made made a mental note, like an effort and awareness to say, oh, wait a minute, this is important. I've done it a, a, a little bit, like, but like I get more focused just automatically on, okay, so who are you interacting with? Or like you, you and almost our friend, Brian, right? He's a, he's a roll away from this on our, our hybrid currently on hiatus Facebook 
game, but don't worry, listeners. It's it's coming. It's coming. Things have been busy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're amidst a battle with our pirates, right? And and so I've been trying to what dis- I, I try I describe the ships. I sent you drawings that I have found online of the ships, but otherwise I haven't said anything about the starscape. So like an alternative. So so you have in front of you. Let me ask, let me interrupt oh. you and ask a question because before you I research this and no, no, no. And this is this is a this is gonna come from my area of ignorance. What you just talked about, this is why I we're I, gonna I, talk about marriage. I thought we were talking uh, about the environment. Yeah, well, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> no one no one can see my hand gestures. That's um, good. I wish yeah. I hadn't. Yeah. <laughs> nature. Okay, we're in talking about nature mm-hmm. or the environment. Mm-hmm. I never would have thought, could can you consider, like you said, being out amongst the stars with nothing, nothing really between you and space that would distort yeah. the view? Is that nature? Of course. Yeah. Yep. I don't, but again, right from ignorance, right. right. I don't, I don't think about that. I think about trees or desert or, you know, snow, like we're going to get here as the time we record, it looks like both you and I are going to get a little snow this week. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah. You know, so that's, that's my more basic understanding of what nature is. Well, and you know, it, so I think Star Wars does this and then they have from the seventies. I think Star Wars does this particularly well obviously we all know george lucas is very much is was a visual storyteller right now star wars didn't become famous for its dialogue but you know no you know um or or even even mark hamill you know complaining rightly so i think of i was thinking about this actually earlier today of one of luke's lines in the sequels this is not how you, this is not going to go how you think it will. It's like, did someone actually write that? Um, so not good, but visually. So look at how Star Wars does it. So, so they hop, right? They're jumping between locales, but, but they typically are going planet to planet, typically when it's the rebels or the resistance or whatever it's going to be called tomorrow. How are they typified? It's very earthy, isn't it? Think of all the places that the rebellion slash resistance has staked as bases. Right. Right. Uh, You know, uh, 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 now, granted, there's the, the, the typical sci-fi trope, like you and I talked about earlier in the week, of, well, this whole planet is a forest. Okay, that's not how science or nature works, but it's fiction, so that's fine. We're also talking about playing games with dragons and hobbits, so, <laughs> right. I mean, let's just be realistic, but <clears throat> think of the rebellion and the resistance, right? They're going to, 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 to forest worlds, to, to ocean worlds, to snow worlds to red and white sand worlds but but they're all beautiful and they're all natural and there's this earthy um i don't want to say maybe not tribal element but this this almost wholesome element in how they're perceived or how they're portrayed and then when you get to the empire and then right we had i was gonna jump i was gonna the Remember yep. now in the Empire, they chased them to these planets. The first order chased them to Crate, which is this the red sand. Right, but how planet. but how do we what are the environments it's, of it's it's cold, it's right. metal, and except, all constructed. Yeah, except what they did, and there's a story behind it, and I cannot remember it for the life of me, but Starkiller Base was built into a planet. Yeah. And and um, uh, at the beginning of Rise of Skywalker, um, Kylo Ren was fighting on a planet to grab the Sith Wayfinder. But right. otherwise, you didn't really see much. And even you know? in those examples, like Starkiller Base, and uh, still there, 
nature, quote unquote, has been co-opted for the mechanical. Now, I think it's it's important to say, I think I can speak for both of us when we say, when I say we love the visuals of the cold mechanic, right? I mean, oh man, come on. But then then you have things like the Cloud City, right? The, the Cloud City on Bespin or above Bespin, right? Which was kind of an, it was a crossover, wasn't it? So you have this high-tech futuristic city, or I guess it was a long time ago, but you know what I mean. But it's still rounded and kind of organic looking amidst the clouds. And so it's an interface between the two. Our point listeners is just that that some, some canons, some franchises like Star Wars, they really handle, uh, they handle the environment well. The Mandalorian, I think, is, is one of the best examples of any of these role-playing relevant shows using the environment to really right. show things off. Yeah, I think you have Dave Filoni and... Um... Yeah. John, oh, good grief. Oh, I've seen your moment. I'm uh, Favreau. Favreau, thank you. Yep. Yes. Um, you know, they, <clears throat> yeah. they come from other arenas. Right. You know, right. Favreau comes good from point. Marvel and all that. Yeah. I mean, he's, and they write differently. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've written nature in. I mean, obviously, you can go back to episode one with them pod racing on Tatooine. And, mm-hmm. but the other thing that, that Mandalorian, I found interesting was when it comes to nature, we can't, you know, in my mind and and correct me here, we can't ignore um, not only the foliage and the environment and the Mm -hmm. temperature and all that, but what are the, the, the fauna that are involved as well. Right. You know, banthas, um, you know, but I remember Mandalorian, it just, the way they approached the natural environment, or one of my favorite movies, and I'm not afraid to say it, not role playing, but one of my favorite, and it's relevant, Avatar. Oh yeah, I'm, I, right? I just watched it the other night. Yeah, right. But but in terms of talking about leveraging the environment as an element of the story, oh, I mean, yeah. just in, now now flip this around. So we because you got us started on like sci-fi and space based. Okay, but now let's go into the fantasy, especially the high fantasy. So like we were talking offline a few days ago about this. Let's go to to worlds like well, even before we get to D and D, like if we look if we look at its inception. So we look at the Lord of the Rings, and we look at the whole concept of Middle Earth. When Tolkien wrote it he was so clearly attuned that each of the peoples was endemic to their, to the terroir, right. To the, to their environment. So, you know, the hobbits who lived in the Shire and I, I, I so like right now I've got Leonard Nimoy singing in my head. If you've, if you've never heard Leonard Nimoy singing the Hobbit, Brad, so you've heard this, I've played this for you. Yeah, have so I not? I, yeah. I just, I'm having flashbacks to you. Play well, hobbits part. are, Peace-loving folks, you know, they are never in a hurry and they take it slow. So um, it's it's amazing. It's amazing the, the the depths to which they all sank. Anyways, but my point is that they're right, the Hobbit, I mean, the whole point of the Shire, very earthy, right? Don't even wear shoes. And then you have the elves who live in these majestic cities, but they're very, they're ensconced by nature. Nature is present. And then as you move away, like you get to the orcs and, and whatnot, and then it becomes increasingly mechanical, so, so to speak, right? And then you get to Mordor, right? And what is this? This is, the, this is a mountain range and a specific mountain, which is devoid of all life, right? So he used it, Tolkien used nature really well to help craft and for him it was up front as well as in the in the background and i think the movies for the most part got that but then like with dnd um i don't have it do you have i should know better than to ask you because the default is yes do you have the feywild source book i'm looking he's reaching over right I'm now looking he's scanning no, his i do not no. have that one no. well that's something you should buy uh, yeah, I'm looking. Yep, I do I mean, not have that. Can't one. you feel the hole 
H-O-L-E, in your soul, the sense of incompleteness. Nice, nice, nice try, you jerk. We've already talked about the Feywild book and I've already got it on my, my, uh, I was going to say, you, it's, my it's safe, only, my safer later list. It's so. only a matter of time. But so like Feywild, so right, this notion that, uh, and I believe it's the first time that D&D is really taking on the whole concept of Fey, uh, but uh, which to me is an old woman's name, but that's a different spelling. So they're taking on the concept of Fey where, you have these sprites and other things that are indigenous and endemic. They're like a manifestation of the woods. And, and let's just, I mean, I think you were getting to this much earlier and then I'm going to shut up, but, but some of the fantasy games are obviously much easier to leverage an ecosystem kind of like you're doing in, 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 in our game because yeah. they, they take place be, because they're, because they're essentially middle ages right in terms of mindset and so the lack of modern technology means uh that's a good point uh, but 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 there's a reality the lack of modern technology means you're never going to be too far away from it or unless you like you know unless it's intentional like the way yeah i mean you, you you sometimes have to fight nature you're never going to from this from this like you said the middle age type of mindset and ability um you try to survive in nature rather than destroy nature so that you can survive right Um, and you're you're never too far away from it because i mean you don't it's not like you're gonna get in a plane well i mean then you can you know i can look you can look at the sword coast i mean for a while i played um never winter online which is the online game. Yeah. Game. Yeah. Talk about these for a while. Cause we were talking and, about this offline. And I, and I, you know, what I remember, I played, I played my character really high. I haven't been on there in probably a year and a half or two years. Um, it reminds me of that. It reminds me of EverQuest going back to the late nineties. Um, mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings online. Mm-hmm. Um, they changed the landscape and the ecosystem and the environment based on the level. So as you would progressively level up, um, you'd be at your home, at your home or central city, and then you'd go out into these different environments based off of your level to, in effect, level up and attain material. Yeah. Yeah. But each of them are different. I remember going to, um, you know, it was within the Icewind Dale, um, you know, area and, and, and going into a snow covered and, and, you know, obviously winter environment where you were fighting off and affect giant Yeti, um, uh-huh. you know, then you'd go to a woodsy environment right. where, where the elves, so they use environment and they still do. I look at the books, you know, we could go through even Strixhaven, yeah. which is not quite out yet by the, at the time we're recording this. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, if, if I remember correctly, that's kind of driven in a university type of environment. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the first time we're going that way. Um, but you have people, I mean, D&D, I never really got into a lot of this. So I, so I apologize to those of you who are much more attuned to this than I did. They have the different planes of existence. Right. Different environments for each plane. Um, right. I think of, and, and it might be my ignorance again, when I look at Pathfinder. Pathfinder gives us, in effect, a world and an environment, right? Yeah. And there's different, there's, you know, different biomes and so on yep. within it. TAD has really, I think it's, it's, it's really beyond what Pathfinder has. Maybe you beyond know? what anyone else has, to be honest. Yeah. In 5e, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, you can, you can pick the type of environment, whether you want to play in a pirated environment. I, I know, I know Pathfinder has some of that too. Yeah. But, but, but to your point, I'm just interject, but, and, and, and that environment ends up being crucial to the game, even if it's just in the background, like you were talking about, right. Cause you've got the Fey wild, you've got um, just examples. You've got wild Mount, you've got the sword coast, you've got Icewind Dale, right. Just looking at a map of sword coast it's like whoa every one of these environments is fairly unique and puts parentheses if you will around your opportunities for playing there 
Yeah, and I mean, let's let's be honest. At a at a very simplistic level, if you were to pick up any of those books, yeah, they will traditionally have obviously adventures and background information, but they also have and they introduce new character archetypes. Yep. Uh, material and everything that is that is related to that environment right you know so even when i played neverwinter online when they brought in acquisitions incorporated when they brought in mm-hmm. ai yep. to build yep. um it was built within the city but right. it was a very comedic mm-hmm as much as you can be very comedic environment. Oh yeah. I think it's with, fair to say <laughs> with, within the game that you had to go through to attain um, the ability to go out and actually function as a member of AI. Um, yes. So, oh, you know, which gives me a really, okay, never mind. I just no, had no, an idea but, for a, for an adventure. Okay. Oh, go. But the point, point being is, is that, I mean, you know, part of that environment, AI is, you know, the comedy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there was a little bit of nature. There was a little bit of water. There was a little bit of goofiness, yeah. Yep. But each book, this yeah. is, this is, I think the allure of, of the pathfinder, but, but now D and D yeah. Um, each adventure book, each source book give you mm-hmm. like ghost of salt marsh. It gives you an environment in which to play and explore. And it gives you material, right. You know, character classes or whatnot. Right. That you can introduce within that world yeah which is so, just well done i, I mean yeah. man it's i'm looking over at my shelf and it's like hmm, maybe i need Pretty, to pull one of those out yeah yeah and, and and you know what if we want to do like a like a dungeon crawl or a one-off games or something you know it doesn't have to be a dungeon crawl you can have a mm-hmm. just a a one-off game gaming session and look at where you can go Okay, so speaking of going places, so something something that that occurred to me when you were going through these, and I, I think this is agnostic to fantasy, sci-fi, sci-fantasy, etc. But but I I'd be curious what you think in your jamming. I know in my jamming, this is something I have maybe struggled with. So the notion of does the adventure, and I'm not trying to define that like very much like maybe it's just one session, maybe it's a whole adventure or campaign, I don't know. But, but does it take place or does this part take place out there, whatever environment that is, or does it take place in a city? Uh, I, I have dabbled a little bit, like use, much like you have, like using villages right really small villages where where you kind of know what the core is and you can you can fudge the rest because it's close but then but then like you look at the sword coast and like some of the maps i enjoy so much or or candle keep which i just i love the concept as i said before the candle keep is a fairly massive complex so to play in a really built up environment just to me seems so complex but but maybe it's not maybe 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 i'm overthinking it i i think i i'm with you i think there's a risk of that um i wonder if we talk to you know in the future as we talk to i wish we would have known this you know had this this would have been a good question for some of the folks that we've had on previously Mm -hmm. when talking about dming um you know you started out you know if we look at your characters in the game I play, we start out in a little town. Um, everyone there is really, they don't tend to venture outside of their town. Their town right. is their, is their world. Um, by the end, by the time we had paused gaming, um, you had woken up from um, being within a uh, small town uh, surrounded by forest to a beach with sand Um, not disorienting at all no and then and then into a city a small city town i have not built out or introduced this idea of cities i think there is a risk of complexity Mm -hmm. because if you think about it in nature you can limit your um 
points of focus you can there there's there's less there potentially but i think but yeah no i'm agreeing they say this out loud i don't i don't even know if i'm right anymore because in nature you can have just as many challenges as you could in a city it's just the city tends to be more it's a lot higher bandwidth yeah yeah. And you know, maybe, maybe, maybe that's the answer, Brad. I mean, maybe part of portraying a city really well is just that fact that to portray, you know, the density and the potential confusion and, and, you know, there's, there's more like, you know, squirrel, right. I mean, there's all that stuff going on. Maybe that's part of portraying it well. Like I think, I think so. Like we were talking about, like uh, we're talking about your your character being in a space battle at the moment with five pirate ships, mm-hmm. right? A couple of which you had hit, uh, a couple of which had hit you, but for very little damage, right? A better job would have been saying, you know, on my end, you 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 drop out, you drop out surprisingly of hyperspace, you find yourself amidst a steady star field. There's this bright green nebula off in the distance of Vision's Edge and really get into that. And oh, by the way, you have a proximity klaxon, which is just going nuts, the red light flashing on your cockpit dash. And you've got those five specks of whitish grain. We could do that versus is there, this. Yeah. Is, is there though, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, is no. there a perception that, you know, like you're talking about in space, it could be, it could be, vastly empty or vastly full yes um nature um can be vastly empty or vastly full cities in my mind are vastly full there's really not i mean Mm -hmm. if it's a vastly empty city then it's really not a city if you still if you remove all the the humanoids and all the the creatures from a city it's still a built-up artificial buildings all sorts of things that where you, you, I, an adventure could be in each door i think that star trek picard toward the end of that first season really got this right of portraying metropolitan areas and urban areas in the background with greater density right it, they have the budget for a lot of extras but oh. but if you think about if you think about several of the if you think about um, when Picard was in San Francisco those couple times or in Boston or wherever in the background lots and lots of people right it looks like it looks like you are really in a city and there's the hustle and the bustle and, and all of the beautiful stuff of the, of the great cities of the world, or in that case of the galaxy. Right. But I think visually that's an example that comes to mind. I think if, 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 if you guys listening haven't seen it, it's Picard just, it's worth it for the visuals. It, it just right. Not when they're on Capellius, toward the end and they're meeting the planet of synths because that's very, you know, that's a colony that's very specific, very Star Trek-y. But when, when he's, when they're on earth and they have those moments in San Francisco, uh, in, in Boston, etc., they really get the background right. And then, and then it's juxtaposed with his chateau Right in France, yep. where it's a it's a much more organic feel, very slow pace of life, um, and again, not to bring it to Trek, although that you know is the way of things. But but I think that right now, at least recently, has been a wonderful example of really an urban or metropolitan vibe. I'm really curious to see what they do with that for season for season two. That's actually a good point. And you know what would be interesting would be. If anyone out there DMs, I'm going to start looking too. You brought this came to a, a point where now I have the question of folks: is what makes it what is easier to 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 game master, DM or GM in a city, out in nature, mm-hmm. you know? And it, it for, what's funny is is the computer games that I played over the years mm-hmm. that were in effect, massively multiplayer RPGs, MMORPGs. Yep. The cities were the safe havens. Nature was the danger zone. 
in different areas. An old trope out of Europe, out of yep. centuries past. Yep. Yep. So, so literally, if you needed help, you went to a city. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to level your character and do great things, you had to leave the city and go out into nature. Where you didn't know what you were going to get yourself into. And you might inadvertently walk into a section of that universe, for lack of a better term. I know this is, I remember distinctly doing this at EverQuest a couple of times. Walking into an environment that obviously was for higher level characters than my own. Hmm. You know, and, and in effect, walking in, and I remember, I remember that it was along a coastline and it was a bunch of alligators. And I remember walking in it in back then it would load, you know, so you'd, yeah. you'd hit a wall and then you'd load. And all of a sudden I load and I realized that I'm getting attacked by a gator already because it was dial up, you know, <laughs> and there was a bit of latency issues yes. and he took two swipes at me and I was gone. Right. So, you know, and it wasn't, it was, it was far from a city, yeah. but now, yeah. You can play the city as right the danger zone and yeah. the country as the safety zone. Look at and, games like Android or anything that's steampunk or cyberpunk. Yeah. Yeah. And and I and I will say I'm looking, I'm thinking about this now, and I will be perfectly transparent and say that it I wasn't thinking of this as I was doing it. I think some of the game that I built for us was, mm. was based off of going the opposite. Yeah. That's cool. Seems you know, that way, you know, and, and it wouldn't have been something I would have, I would have thought of. It's not something that I consciously was thinking of as I was designing. Right. It, it just happened organically. You might say. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, it, so it's fascinating. I know we're going to transition, but no, but that's why that's why we're talking about this because these are things that certainly you and I have not really explored in our own gaming. No, and and I think I mentioned this, and we could go down on another rabbit hole. We'll save this for another time. But the um, when it comes to nature and the environment where you are gaming, where you are leading a game or being part of a game, um, you have people who have created these ornate environments on tables at yeah. gaming stores and all that. Yeah. Then you have folks that are um, that use roll twenty or. Mm-hmm. Um, table the tabletop software games there's a yeah. couple that i'm following one of them yeah um, uh, i i jumped in on the kickstarter campaign right. for um people are finding new ways now in the yes. era, in the pandemic yes. in the post-pandemic age we're not there yet of no we're not there yet yeah. i would hope but yeah. i'd like to say by the time this drops we would be not gonna not even close nope but point being is, is people are still and will always now play online even more than before. Yes. How do you bring that environment and nature? Because I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that it would be, it, you have to have that. That has to be a plot piece, whether it's a major plot point or not. Mm-hmm. So I have not done a very good job of it because it's hard for me to do. You've mm-hmm. done a much better job of, of drawing but we need to have, I want to have for us, and I know people would who are listening would would guide me to certain things. I know what they would be, like Roll20 and so on. I want to have a proper environment where I can show the fog of war. Right, right. Try to build what I see in my head in terms of the nature and the environment. We had the town of tree where there was a big tree in the middle of the town. I couldn't really describe <laughs> the tree, you know. So but ironically you describe the town well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so something, something before we drift over to the jam corner, um, something I think we just have to at least acknowledge that because we haven't is the answer to a lot of the questions we're posing right now, rhetorical or, or not is it depends who's at the table. Yeah. And I think that that's always the case. You and I've talked about this, but it really depends who's at the table. If like, if, I can think of of playing like if we were to hypothetically play with some of the some of our friends, some of them would want a lot of environmental information, right? They want a really almost visceral sense 
of where they where they are. I mean, I, and I'm I'm like that. Mm-hmm. Alternatively, um, I think of when I've GM'd for my girls and my nephews. They're not at all interested in that. They want, especially my nephews, they want to get onto the pew pew. Yeah. Right. And that's all good. But I think so. I just I think it's important that we acknowledge that that we're not totally daft. What it depends they, what who's they, at the what table. What do they? What do they want to tend to get into? The pew pew. They want like, to well, shoot just, stuff, right? I just, yeah. not, I just want to make you say it again. I know. So. Okay. Pew pew. Okay. Also, yeah. Baba Ganoush. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, so which is really delicious if you go to the right place. We had some last night, but that that's not the point. So, so I just think that really does matter. It's like any other element of being at the table. We we want to GM not just for the story, but for the needs and interests and passions of who's playing, right? Of our of our, our, our well, players. Absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna end that, and then I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump to GM. I think you bring up a great point because we were just talking about this. Even if you look at geography, biome, location, environment, all of that, um, you um, you can see areas that have been underused, environments that have been underused. Um, Yeah. You know, and, and, everyone can have their own opinions on it, but it's just interesting. You're starting to see RPGs come out that are culturally focused on areas because they're looking for inclusion. And mm-hmm. I think some of that not only is the, the, the people, but there is a component of it to it. That's the environment. And I'm in no position to really, I, it's hard for me to, to garner the context for it, but you know, and, and we could talk about this another time. I think we've even kind of had the idea of maybe seeing if we can have some people on who are building those type of games. And not only are they building them with the characters, yep. they're building them in the environment that they want to play. They want to create an ecosystem Yeah, yeah. to feel represented. Yep. Yeah, well so, said. So as we move over to, so I have two questions. One. Okay, GM Corner, here we are. Yeah, when I was last up there um, for the uh, for the party and everything like that, was there Baba Ganoush there? Did I have some of that? Did you have that? Uh, probably. Okay. Probably. Okay. I think so. I think I had some. And then number it's, two, they 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 do it better than anyone we know. This yeah. is this is the same group, right? Yeah. Because, okay. Yeah. Yeah, then we did. It was phenomenal. Yeah. And then two, what have you been reading? That's great. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what have I been reading? Uh, I'm in. I the... mean, you just came off the trail, so you're getting back into it because you had just because you came or not off the trail, just because you came back from a research trip. That wasn't it. I mean, I you brought had... books. I was reading them yeah. in the tent uh, and in the chair, and it was lovely. Um, I am. Uh, I am nearing the end as of as of tonight. I'm nearing the end of the third book in Becky Chambers's Wayfarer series. Um, and this is really, this one, she set this up differently. Uh, and it's, it's really, it's really interesting how toward the end she's tying these threads together. But man, um, I, like I'm, I'm already looking forward to the fourth and final book. Um, that's actually not what I want to address in the GM corner, but I've got one other quick thing, but I'm going to bat it over to you. What if, and then, then I'll, uh, well, actually, because I, I think we're going to end up talking about this for a sec. I'm going to throw it back. You, to, I'm going to throw it. What back have you here. been reading? Well, it's a it's this, this is this could be another rabbit hole, so I'm going to try to keep it brief. Um, Good luck. I've always I've always enjoyed in various sports in some form as a spectator. I yeah. played some when I was a kid, yep. and I was um, absolutely and phenomenally mediocre at best. Um, but I have found. You know, I've gotten a little tired of football. I've gotten a little tired of baseball. I've gotten into watching hockey. Mm-hmm. And I have found hockey. You watch hockey on TV. There's obviously, you know, like with basketball, there's a, a women's national basketball, you know, the right. WNBA. Uh, women's hockey is quite popular. Uh-huh. They just inducted a woman into the Hockey Hall of Fame, Kim St. Pierre. Um, when I watch hockey... I'm watching a lot. There is a much more diverse group of people 
playing, commentating, and involved in hockey than I would have even begun to thought think. Yeah. I, I want to see how you tie this into so role playing though. Yeah. So so how I'm role playing is, and I haven't we have we've been foc- we haven't really focused on this, but Jason knows going back decades, I've always been into dice based sports yep. games, yep. sports simulations. Okay. So it's a little bit of role playing, but it's not. Um, and I was really big into baseball for years. And I would, I would in effect reenact or replay seasons or, or whatever the case is. So I have had this, this based off of some, uh, episodes that you haven't heard yet that, um, you'll be hearing shortly. I've had this, this itch to roll lots of dice. Okay. And so I have been playing a hockey sim. Oh, interesting. Um, and rolling a lot of dice and reading up on hockey strategy. Because I've, I've never been a, you know, I played it as a kid because I lived by lakes, followed it. Yeah, I've always been a fan from the outside, but I don't think any of our core group of friends would ever consider me a hockey buff in any way. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. But now I can, you know, I watch it, but why, why I came up in the GM corner is that um, I have been rolling a lot of dice, but it's not for an RPG. Interesting. I've been rolling a lot of dice yeah. and replaying a season from the sixties from before mm-hmm. I was born. There you go. So um, very That's odd, very odd choice, but I think there is um, it just goes back to this, this, itch i have for analytics and numbers um yeah and it transcends work yeah i yeah. love i love keeping stats and everything like that now really that being cool. said i've 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 completely taken us on a loop you gave me the floor to to do my thing now i'm giving the floor back because you wanted to hit on something oh you know in a loose loose way i think it's related um i have found myself this is the first time in this is the first time in my life where I've uh, like around RPGs where I've, I've, I've had this interest, this, this curiosity. Uh, and it's out of, uh, it's out of conversations you and I have been having offline, uh, both before and then after I got back from the field study, it, uh, it is partly spurred by an upcoming interview, our episode 30 interview. Uh, but I find myself starting to ponder now I'm, I'm increasingly interested in indie games and, and not to not, and that's new for me, right? I'm the, I'm the guy who played star Wars period. That literally was my definition of RPGs. And then, you know, you got me out of that shell as it were. And now I have too many books on my shelf. Thank you very much. Um, And and I'm, Please, I'm not you're saying an amateur. Yep. I, I, well, you know, a fool and his money. Right. Yeah. This is so, exactly. so, but, but I, I'm not saying I'm interested in playing the games. I'm, I'm not, but, but like we were saying, I was saying right before we started recording uh, tonight, I, I'm always on the lookout as I know, are you for, RPG resources that are just that, that yeah. may be in or out of canon, but can be really, really fun to read, really fun to think about, and can then inform one or more different games. And um, I think in part because of our upcoming episode 30 interview, which which everybody, we're just going to be honest, just the timing worked out that we recorded it way early, which is which is actually really neat. Uh, and it's going to be a great one uh, because of that. And because of the conversations you and I have been having, Brad, I, I find myself for the first time really curious to start to be on the lookout for more indie based games that might just serve as really good resources for not so much for the mechanics, but for the storytelling, the immersion, yeah. et cetera. So that's, yeah, that's where I am. No, no. And you're, that is such a good point because that's where some of my, my, my purchase problems come in because yeah. I don't buy necessarily to play. Right. I, I had a collection of books that I bought to read. Yes. You know, and, and 
it spurred my curiosity. And ultimately now I still, you do it too. We, we still read materials. Like we're like, we don't have time now because, because of the projects we have going and we have to get back to Genesis and Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. um, You know, the Star Trek uh, Modifius is coming out with a, with a game masters guy. Yeah. We're all over that. Yeah. You and I are both itching. Oh yeah. Even though we're not going to play that game right now. But still, but still, yes, as a resource and, and, and as reading, yeah. And I've read Jeff Ashworth's both of his books. Mm-hmm. I've read them, right? The characters and everything. They're wonderful. Yes, and um, I've picked up some material. Um, you and I talked about this. Um, we'll talk more about that after in an episode upcoming 30. episode. Yep. 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 Um, but and I don't think you. I picked up some material based off of our interview. Yeah from episode 30. Yep. Um, and, and catching up and doing some reading because it, it is a fascinating yeah. perspective. One that I am, I am almost embarrassing. It's almost embarrassing for me to say was one that I was, I was a little too myopic when I was younger and um, yeah. bucolic and didn't look at mm-hmm. those perspectives. And so reading this material yeah. Um, yep. We'll do it. So and we'll so, talk more about that next week. Yep. Next, yeah. next, you know, like I told you before, next Friday, I'm going to go to my friendly local game store, right? The source here, uh, just outside of St. Paul, just a huge, wonderful place. And they have a wall of great browsing. And, uh, and I think I'm going to spend a little bit of time or more just browsing and looking for things that are more Indian that I wouldn't have pulled before that are not in the canons we've been talking about and playing. I would, I would say, and then I'm going to, I'm going to zip it. Um, drive through RPG. Yeah. And drive through cards, which is very similar. I think they're mm-hmm. both in the same family. Um, they have all sorts of indie stuff out there. That, yeah. I um, mean, that's where we're going to port ours when, yeah. when, when we're ready. Right. Yeah. And, and I have, that's where in all honesty, a lot of my material jokingly um, has come from was yeah. uh, PDFs that I've printed or yeah, yeah. drive through RPG sales yeah. where I've picked up lots of stuff, lots of good material that you can use, even if you're not going to use the game mechanic, the material, like you said. Yeah. All right, everybody with that, before Brad and I just ramble on for the next two hours on what we'd like to talk about, right? What we're going to play tomorrow or not. Um, As always, thanks for joining us. Be well, stay well. We will see you next week. 